Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go. I'm Jen and want to publicly state very clearly that the indisputable best coach on the planet is Duke's Coach K. End of story. I will not hear arguments. I'm Laura, and I failed miserably at being a coach for my kids' basketball team many, many years ago. There's a reason parents sit in the stands, preferably in total silence. Today, we are going to advance our discussion on how to deal with that guy or that girl in the office. More often than not, there is a lot of good to be drawn out with some coaching or mentoring. Let's explore the difference between the two, when to put them to use, and how you can be known for being the best coach in the business. Besides Coach K, that is, Jen. My apologies. Jen, I am so excited to get into coaching versus mentoring because there's so many exciting sports metaphors. But first, (laughs) I have to reflect a little bit. So we started this that guy or that girl conversation last time, and we got really negative really fast into the when this person's got to go, here's what you need to do. So I was like, oh, my goodness, that went kind of a little negative, but I think it has serves a good purpose to get us past the hard part of the conversation. I think so too. I think we needed to start with that part because more often than not, when you have that guy or that gal in the office, the tendency can be to avoid the reality that you know where the, where it's going. And so going there first to the, when this isn't going to work out, what does that path to firing look like was really helpful, I know, for me. And I think it was for other people too. But I am glad that we get to shift today into the conversation of, okay, but what if there's potential? What if, yes, you're dealing with that guy and, and there is an issue, but there's an opportunity as well to both coach and mentor, coach or mentor, what, and we're going to get into the difference and what that might look like. So I'm really looking forward to that. So let's dive right in at coaching and mentoring. What is the difference? So I know sometimes I hear people really get tripped up, you know, I need a coach or I need a mentor. Well, they are different. So Jen, I'm going to ask you an introspective question first, because I love messing with your mind a little bit. Um, have you had a good mentor in your career that helps you say, this is what a mentor is? Like you've seen it happen so well, it helps solidify for you. Here's what mentoring is. Yes. And the reason that I hesitate a little bit in saying that is one of the things that we're going to use to distinguish mentors versus coaches is that a lot of times mentors are a more informal relationship. And so sometimes I have to look back and go, okay, I may not necessarily have called this person a mentor, or we may never have sat down and agreed to this kind of relationship, 
but ultimately that's what it became or that's what it was. And I will say that toward the middle, I guess, of my graduate school time, I had one of the best mentors I've ever had. He was an incredible leader. He was very thoughtful in his approach and his desire to bring me along and really give me the opportunity to be in all of the rooms he was in and watch and learn and have those intentional guiding conversations as we went. And when I look back on that and I look back, especially now, just even from an age standpoint, since I was a you know 20-something grad student at the time, for especially some of the younger people I've had on my staff that are in that place, I can see a little bit more of the stretch and I go back to that mentor and relationship in my mind of how intentional he was, not only in his interest in me and hearing my perspective, but then giving me space to process out loud. So what's interesting there? Um, is you've done, you've almost in essence given us the um, dichotomy of a mentor. You've acknowledged, and I think it's important that people see, mentoring is often a more informal relationship. There's a, there's a level of commitment there that says, hey, we are going to get together. We're going to talk. There's a relationship that we are a part of here. Um, but it's a little bit more informal. There isn't an organizational chart anywhere that says so-and-so is so-and-so's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that informality. And yet at the same time you just shared with us, there's an intentionality that um, if you're in a mentoring relationship, you as the mentee are bringing them into your challenges. You're intentionally talking to them about what's going on. You're being very open and forthright with them so they can help you think through difficult issues. On the flip side, if you are the mentor, um, you're very intentional, intentional, excuse me, about saying, how can I help? Let's think about what this means in the long term. I'm committed to your long being growth and development. Um, so despite the informality around mentoring, there is a very formal, um, even if it's not in writing, commitment to each other that's so important and a need for some respect between the mentor and the mentee that allows you to bond through that type of a relationship. So I think there's a really cool things to understand about it. Yeah, and you use that word respect and and bonding. And I think that one of the things about mentoring is that because it is usually more informal, is it's not as if typically you've been paired up from the outside. And so the whole reason there's a mentoring relationship is because you've kind of chosen each other. There is a relationship. There is a trust. There is a connection. And I think a lot of times some of the best mentoring relationships I've seen and mentoring relationships I've participated in, you're not even likely working in the same organization. So the only reason that you have to be connected in that kind of way is to invest in that kind of relationship. And so it really is pieced together Um, by those connections of trust and respect and appreciation for the other person's thoughts much more than a, oh, I have to deal with this person. And so I will. That's really well said because there does need to be that sense of, I want to be here. Mm -hmm. That's a relationship you want to enter. And to me, it's a distinguishing one with coaching. Um, I think most of us would say over our careers, if you've had some time, and even if you've only had a short while, um, in a career, um, 
you like some people you work for and some people you work for, <laughs> you just, you just got to get through it. I, I'm just calling it what it is, right? Like mm-hmm. I can tell you, I have some that I put in both categories and some that are in the middle where it right. ebbed and flowed on um, how I felt about them. But that's part of um, when you assign yourself or are assigned to a mentor, it is someone you want to be with and you need to be willing to want to be in that relationship because there's a that shared commitment. In coaching, I think one of the really important aspects is that it is often based more on authority and it's even a more formal short-term commitment is involved and sometimes you have to be willing to both give and accept coaching Mm -hmm. with someone whom you don't maybe even respect or someone whom you don't agree with and this goes in the category of sometimes you need to hear advice from people even if you don't care for that person because there's something to learn from all types of feedback Absolutely. And I would pick on my husband for just a minute here. And I I wish I had him on for just this moment because he would be so quick to tell you that early in his career as a financial advisor, one of the people he was put directly in touch with that he was connected with and there was very much a, a coaching relationship there and an authority structure in place and oh my goodness they butted heads they were different people they they got into some really tense moments because they saw some things very differently but even just a few years removed Clark would tell you that he is one of the best coaches he ever had because in spite of those differences, there was an investment and an opportunity to learn and to be pushed at a moment that he really needed it. And it happens all too frequently. I mean, I'll tell you, I actually, um, it was a hurtful but learning moment for me at one point in my career. I was moving on to a new job that was also a location change and someone, um, who was very special, um, I say the air quote kind of special here, this is the air quote specially, um, felt very comfortable looking at me and saying to me, I've never liked you, but I boy, did I learn from you. Mm. Okay, thank you. Not sure I needed that feedback, right? But it really was, I think there's something to be said for that, as hurtful yeah. as that kind of came out in that moment, right? They didn't like me. And mm. that's okay. Not everybody's going to like everybody. And that's how life rolls, whether we want to emotionally are prepared to handle that or not right um but there's so much that we can learn from each other and in that case this person's like i i didn't like how you ran things i'm not the biggest fan we didn't align but i saw you do a lot of things that were really helpful for me to think about who i want to be how i want to behave that kind of deal and that's so important um that you recognize that for what it's for what it is so let's dig in a little bit more on the coaching versus mentoring and why you need both Mm -hmm. so they both serve different purposes and i think i want to get there so we've established that coaching is you know more about authority and it's more of a short-term formal type of arrangement mentoring is more about trust and respect and a long-term commitment um but why do you need both so i'm gonna say like i think to me the distinguisher and i want to hear what you think jen the distinguisher to me is coaching is very much about dealing with acute in the moment your current job and performance, I'm gonna coach you to deal with this. I'm gonna coach you in this ball game. Mentoring is more about, I'm gonna help you look to the long range. You need to work more on how you, um, on how you approach the ball field and the game, not necessarily on how do we get out of this particular game that we are playing today. To me, that's the big difference, is the long-term, the short-term, 
acute issues versus long-term developmental issues. Am I capturing it there, Jen, or do you see another big difference so that we can think through how and when do we apply these two different growth techniques? Yeah, no, I think you're right on. And what that makes me think of, and this is going to lend itself so easily to sports metaphors. So uh, apologies to those who don't love those, but it's just somewhere we have to go with this um, coach mentor mentality. But I think about the fact that on a team, um, we and I'm talking now professional level teams where you have multiple coaches, there are coaches for very specific areas. So if you've got a baseball team, you know, you've got an outfield coach and you've got a pitching coach and you've got a batting coach. And these are very specific areas that you're going to be coached. But then chances are on the team, you've got mentors who are maybe the players who've been in the league longer than you, who are going to come alongside you and and be looking at the bigger picture together and the bigger scope of how are you going to deal with that coach you don't like or this friction that you're having with this other teammate. And so to back up where you went, I would draw I would draw that distinction. And to me, I think the other thing is that there is maybe more room and permission because of the formal relationship of a coach to push and hold accountable where a mentor is going to do some of that. A good mentor is going to do some of that, but a mentor is going to be more in a position to encourage because their desire to see you succeed is going to be a little more personal than maybe the coach who needs you to succeed so that the team wins, so that the company thrives, so that the project gets done. Um, I really like that. And that's the thing that you come back to, right? What do we need for success? What do we need to thrive? So let's go back to, um, for real, we've got that guy or that gal on our team. They mm -hmm. are struggling. Um, they are an issue. Um, they're difficult for others to work with. They're difficult for me to work with. How do I guide this person needs coaching or this person needs mentoring to take a deliberate step and fix the situation? I think, I think one of the things that occurs to me is that in almost every situation, they need both. I think, I think it more comes down to and I know we're speaking maybe concretely here to people who are who are leading in these places is in any given situation, which role do I need to be in for this person right now? Because they they maybe need both in any given moment. But I think what it comes down to is, is there an immediate issue that's not that's maybe one area of what they're dealing with that they really need help with? Then they probably need a coach and. If it's more of a, okay, this person is trying to learn a whole new career, they're just young, they're inexperienced, they're here, then there is more of a mentor. And again, I mean, it really comes down to what you said earlier. It's the difference between the short term and the long term. I think it's also a difference between, is this about, um, what do I want to call it? Is this about skill or is this about technique or personality, right? So some of the coaching is 
skill-based, um, they're making errors in their reports and we need to think about how they can error-proof their work more mm -hmm. um, so that I can coach them for better job performance, you know, or if it's, um, you know, I need to coach them on how to be more accurate in order entry or in paperwork completion, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. For mentoring, it's more, hey, they're getting the job done maybe, but the way they're doing it is a problem. So, oh man, this guy is really good at finishing projects and making sure that we pr problem solve and get issues out of our system. The issue is he leaves bodies in his wake when he does it, hmm. right? He undercuts people, he frustrates people, nobody wants to get on the next team with him because that was hmm. such a bad experience, right? That kind of thing. Um, I think to me that's the other really big thing is you've got to look at someone and I agree with you Jen and a lot of times both a lot of times both are needed but if you need to pick one or you need to say let's start somewhere I think it really does come down sometimes to is this something where I need to get them coached on how they do the job um, or what they're doing in the job, excuse me, coached on what they are doing so that they can do the actual tactical work better or do I need to coach them on how they can do the job in a way that continues to grow and expand their career and people want to come back and keep working for them. And that's where I think it gets really fun because people are good at different things. Um, and even when it comes to coaching and mentoring, I have seen some people that are fabulous coaches. Man, do they know how to get in the weeds and help somebody learn to do their job better. Mm -hmm. But they struggle to see the long term. They're not fit to be a mentor. They're not, you know, that's not the way their brain works. At the same time, I think a lot of mentors um, and people that really thrive at filling that mentor role, they're not going to help you figure out how to error proof or deal with an acute issue. It's just that's too much in the weeds for the way they're minds work but boy can they help you step back and look at what this all means long term and the skills and the behaviors you need to develop for your ongoing success and each are so important to what we do but you need to distinguish and put people in the role they're best suited for yeah and i think we've drawn a really good you know kind of way to look at the difference between the two and the last thing i would want to offer in this moment is just a catch for everyone in a leadership role. Chances are you need to be both in different moments. And so even though I agree with what you're saying that some people are better coaches, some people are better mentors, I think most of us as leaders are going to be called upon to fill both of those roles in different ways at different times. And one of the catches I'd love to just throw out there is sometimes when you do have a that guy or that gal in the office – Yes, you've got to deal with the issue that is theirs, but it is also a moment to ask yourself if you are a, a leader in relation to that person, have I been playing the role of mentor and they need a coach or have I been being a coach when they needed a mentor? Have I played a role in them being that guy? And so... I just throw that out there and, and maybe it's a really personal thing because I know that's a mistake I've made, you know, in leadership that I've gotten better at through the years of realizing I was getting really frustrated with someone, but I was also trying too hard to be a mentor when I needed to move into the coach's seat and say, we're not making the cut. Here's what we got to work on. <laughs> Jen, that's 
very sage advice. I'm chuckling because I think I tend to the opposite mistake, um, <laughs> which is really just so funny. Um, and I bet anybody who's listening to this, I'm picturing some of our regular listeners that give us a lot of feedback. They're going, yep, we see that. Like, Jen, I appreciate what you're saying. Like, sometimes you have to recognize, I agree with you, leaders end up in both roles. And I appreciate that you're acknowledging that you you like to and have a tendency towards mentorship and helping people work on behavioral long-term things and you see the broad horizon for people interestingly i'm going to very quickly slip into the i'm going to help you with your grammar mistakes on your slides and making sure this presentation is good (laughs) because in my mind if you're not doing your current role well you might as well forget future you Mm -hmm. need to fix the current and that's not wrong but there is a um, but and to be put here. Um, I have a friend that says that, right? There's a but yes. and that you need to put here. Yes, you need to do what you're doing currently well, but I also need to be giving you guidance on what your future can look like and how that builds into something. So Jen, I think that's some really good advice for us to end this segment on to help folks self-actualize. So first, does this person need a coach or a mentor? Probably both. How do we help them find those people for their success so we can get after some issues? And then you as their leader, especially if you have a dual role, let's recognize what the immediate need is and help get after it correctly and be very honest about whether or not we're doing the best thing for that guy. We'll be back with more in a little bit. On Real Talk today, we want to turn the table a little bit. We've been talking about that guy or that gal, and there has to also be an acknowledgement that there has to be a moment for all of us, and for some of us, many moments, when we've been that guy or that gal. And maybe it wasn't just us, or maybe you can think of a time when you had to watch someone that you genuinely love being that guy. So Laura, I'm going to throw it to you first. You can take it in either direction. Can you think of a time when you've been that gal? Or can you think of a time where you watched someone you loved and went, wow, they they were that one in the moment? So I... I'm 100% sure that there are times that I've been that gal and I can share some of them. But I have to tell you, the first thing that comes to mind for me is having seen my son on an occasion or two when he's been that guy. Um, So I think we've talked about it. I have a 12-year-old son. And in the last couple of years, one of the things I've observed is I think we all know how junior high boys are, right? (laughs) Enough said, no one needs details. Like junior high boys, I would like to just right now say to the youth leaders, Boy Scout leaders, coaches, teachers who handle junior high boys, God's Mm, grace upon you. May the sun shine upon you in all ways. Just (laughs) holy moly, Lord. So, um, but I, for a while, overlapped with Max when in junior high youth group at our church, because during the opening parts, before we would go to our gender and grade specific small groups, um, we would be in the same room for like opening teaching and worship. And I would see him with his guys um, in another part of the room. And I can think of a couple times um, a few years ago where I would look across the room and think, my kid is the problem. 
and is the obnoxious <laughs> child in that group right now. Like you hear noise and weird sounds coming from the part of the room where the boys are all congregating and you mm -hmm. look over and you're like, holy crap, it's my kid. It's my kid. It's my kid. He's that guy. He's the one that that small group leader is going to get in the car after church today. And on the car ride home, he is going to tell his wife about that one kid. And if that kid just didn't come every Sunday, we could get a lot more done in our group. So I know like it's kind of crazy and God love him. It's a phase thing. I can tell you that Max has really turned around in some of that. And I even see more and more that he's using those skills for persuasion to be a leader um, in, for the better as opposed to the let's make fart noises with our armpit. But, you know, but I have definitely looked across the room and gone, my kid is that guy right now. Heaven help us all. Jen, yeah. Anything similar? Oh, yeah. No, totally. Have seen the same thing. Again, it's the ability as parents to get to see some things that hopefully bring the self-realization of, wow, people loved us through those phases, too. I can think of a baseball season where one of my sons, his team was just really struggling in the dugout with some personality issues and everything else. And they were losing a lot of games. And so for a bunch of competitive boys, it was just creating tension. And so as parents, you know, we're kind of watching from the outside, trying to figure out, you know, who's the problem. And the truth was that a lot of them were problems at different points. But there were definitely some games where my kid was, you know, throwing a glove and adding greatly to the tension. And you went, oh, gosh, it's mine. You know, how, how could I get in there? Um, and yet I can't because I cannot be that helicopter parent, right? We're supposed to be the parent sitting silently in the stands. <laughs> and it's so hard because you can see it. And I would also add that I've definitely been that person that I know I've left a staff meeting or two and my staff needed a few minutes to deal collectively with their shared frustration with me <laughs> as the person <laughs> who was just that guy um, for them. And so humorously, because we have great relationships in those moments, those tend to be the moments when I don't get called coach and I don't get called mentor and I don't get called Jen, which is what I usually get called. And instead I get called the boss. <laughs> usually when I get called the boss that's a, there's a direct translation to ooh you're being that guy it's so. funny how people do use things to help cue that for you because mm -hmm. you do hear them now the behind your back ones are more hurtful I will never forget a time that yeah. I had to do a rather difficult staff meeting with extended staff this goes back years and um I could tell that folks weren't loving me in the moment and we're going here she goes you know I'm sure I was talking about KPIs and <laughs> hours and all sorts of things and um I could tell that's where they mentally were but I had a job I needed to get done in that room that day that's why I had in my head and like 20 minutes later I went to use the restroom and for women the restroom oh, is a dangerous no, place because we're tucked no, in stalls no, no. and don't necessarily know who else is in there right mm -hmm. and suddenly I realized that that woman that was being discussed between stalls was in fact me um that was being discussed and i'm not going to pretend that i didn't just run right back out of that bathroom and get my car keys and go to dairy queen and try to just shake that sucker <laughs> off but listen i think the real talk today is ladies and gentlemen we are all that guy and that girl sometime so let's just recognize it for what it is and move on yes well said that's some real talk Laura, I really appreciated the distinction between a coach and a mentor. And even in having the conversation, I was reflecting on the moments that I've been both and the relationships that I have currently that I'm in those roles. And in this last segment, as we're talking about that guy or that gal and how do we deal with it, we're going to take just a couple minutes and zero in on 
what does it look like to be a good coach with our teams? And so whatever your team looks like, maybe it's the home team or whatever the team is that you're working with in your job, however that plays out for you, um, we're going to talk about what does it look like to be a good coach. Now, we've already talked and I've already been clear about the fact that Coach K is the best coach ever. And so we're going to lean into some of the things that that he has demonstrated. But Laura, can you think of someone you would point to as another, not as good as Coach K, but really good coach and what made them a good coach? So I'm sure somebody's waiting for me to say something like Jim Bayheim, and it's just not going to happen. So move on, folks, <laughs> and get comfortable with that. Um, I'm just not going to name another sports figure because Coach K takes them all. Um, but I think there is a lot to be learned from watching coaches publicly and then privately the people that have impacted you. So I will tell you that one of the best coaches I ever had, and this was an actual coach, um, the sport being softball in this case, Mm -hmm. um, one of the best coaches I ever had um, really used the philosophy that we needed to be allowed to make mistakes to learn. And to me, that is so applicable to life, whether it's raising our kids or managing our teams um, or working wherever we might find ourselves. I think room for mistakes and then providing a way to learn from mistakes is one of the best things that we can do to be really good, solid coaches um, Mm -hmm. and stand out above others because I think where a lot of people miss the boat is they try to mistake proof the environment as the way to make their people better Um, and you miss a lot of really good learning opportunities that way and that's not to imply that you shouldn't close process loops and try to mistake proof processes and stuff like that not at all but don't let your team hide from and fear mistakes or they will be stagnant um, both individually and as a team so I just went all all in on the mistake concept Jen but I think it's a huge one that I go to right away it's a really big one and and I mean, and really what you're talking to, and we we talked about this way back in a series, I think, that we, we were talking about mistakes, is what freedom there is, even for the creativity of a team, to know they can make a mistake. And instead of being berated for it, it's going to almost even be encouraged as a learning opportunity. And so I, I think there's an absolute truth to that that some of the greatest coaches are the ones who let you make mistakes but even go out of their way to create space for that and I would go immediately to the opposite side of that and the coaches who let and and give their team the opportunity to take the win and now I know that you know we all want to go to the there's no I in team and you know all that kind of stuff and so you win as a team and everything else but when you're in that coaching role I think one of the greatest opportunities that you have is to step into the background and give people those moments when they hit the ball out of the park and you get to be the person that sometimes literally is pushing them from behind into the spotlight, pointing at them, giving them all the credit. It is not a moment to go, wow, look how well I coached them. It's a moment to really champion someone else. And I think the best coaches are the ones who even talk about the fact that they want to coach someone 
till that person is better than them. They want to coach mm-hmm. yes. until they're the least qualified person in the room. And so amazing coaches aren't the ones who start to feel threatened when people thrive, but instead celebrate the wins. They're the first ones to champion. There's the first ones to give away the credit. I think that's a really good point. I'll make it real in a situation that I've just lived in the last couple of months where I have someone on a team that um, I will leave it at they lead a process. There's a capstone meeting every month on kind of an update meeting, right? And a couple months ago in leading this meeting, it was just, I'm, I'm going to call it a disaster. Went very poorly. <laughs> a lot of people on the phone, including multiple members of our executive team, right? Like it did not go well. Um, and the approach that we had to take first, I think step one in good coaching was instead of letting time pass, literally as soon as that call was off or over, that meeting was over, I got him on the phone and I said, let's talk about what just happened and what we can learn from it quickly. Like, let's seize the moment while it's fresh. Let's talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. So created the space to say, let's analyze it. No one's mad. No one's upset. But let's talk about it. Um, So moving in a timely manner is an important part of coaching. You can't wait days, weeks, months to deal with it, just like when we talked about feedback. But then the thing that we did is um, we started to work on what are we going to do different next time? What can look different next time? How can I help? Um, You know, even do you want to practice the next meeting with me and one or two other people, right? Like Mm. that kind of stuff. Interestingly, in that process, I got a call from a peer who said, please tell me you're going to run that meeting next time. Like he actually called me and said, you know, please tell me you're going to run that meeting next time and not let that happen again. And my response was, no, I'm going to coach. And then I'm going to step back and let them try again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, and I'm not sharing that to say, oh, look how well I handled it. I learned that by doing it the wrong way a million times, right? To get to the point where I handled this one the right way. I made plenty of mistakes over the years. Um, But to say, I'm willing to spend the off the record, no one's ever going to see it, coaching time so that the next meeting can go well Mm -hmm. and then go as far as to say, you know, person X, very well done. Thank you for the work you put into getting us into a better position. Looking forward to our next get together. Let it be theirs. Let them have the win. That makes you an awesome coach if you can get to the point where it's about them and not about you. Yes. Yes. And that's the biggest, and I I hesitate to say biggest because there's so many important things to being a coach, but it's also understanding the role you're in. Just like we talked about the difference between a coach and a mentor, understand when you're the coach that it, it, it isn't, it isn't about you. It's about the person you're coaching. It's about the person that you're coming alongside. And to that end, I think another thing about great coaches is the ability to make space for people to have other people. So again, it's not about you. It's about helping to grow this team or these people that you're working with. And so some of the best coaches are also the ones who go out of their way to make sure people have access to mentors and even other coaches who can help them in ways that you can't. So to put that another way, you can't be their everything. And a good coach doesn't try to be their everything. Yeah, I mean, there is a reason that a good um, fitness coach will bring a nutritionist in to help Mm. 
It's right. A good example. I mean, so how yeah. about that for an example that is not directly sports? Nice. Ding, ding, well ding. played. I well know. played. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any other examples that are non-sport in the moment. But I, I. But in all seriousness, right? Like we all have strengths and weaknesses, which takes me to the next thing that I want to talk about here, which is strengths. Um, a very, um, mm-hmm. a book that I read at least a decade ago at this point that really has stuck with me for a long time is the book Strengths-Based Leadership. I'm sure many of our listeners have read it. And one of the reasons I always mentally go back to that is because the whole premise of the book is right there in the title. The way you can help your employees and yourself become their best is to not be so focused on what they're doing wrong or what you're doing wrong and need to develop, but to focus on what you do well and where your strengths lie and -hmm. bring them to the forefront. And I think that's another part of really good coaching is saying, you know, maybe the previous person that held this position did the job this way, but their strengths were different. You can get the same outcome by doing the job a little bit different way, playing into your personal strengths, and it'll be a better experience for everybody. How do we look at our folks, get people to look and help us and say, let's tap into strengths and build on them and bring them forward. Coaching is not always about It's actually not about at all, how do I fix the things that aren't working? It's about how do I bring forward the things that work well? The way Jim Collins says it is putting the right, you know, putting you on the right seat of the bus, Mm -hmm. right? That's that's a good coach and a good leader. Um, The way you hear it in the sports world is getting them to the right position on the playing field. Um, In the music world, it's finding the right pitch for them to sing, right? Like there are so Mm -hmm. many different ways you can say it, but the best coaching is the coaching that gets people in the right lane, which brings together like 82 different topics we have covered in this podcast (laughs) in a 30 second rant. (laughs) Well, and I'm struggling over here though, Laura, because I feel like what you're saying is that my way is not the only way. And, you know, I might just need a minute again because most of the time, and especially if you've made it to the role of coach, I'm being funny, but I'm also not being funny. No, you are a big point If you've made it to the role of coach, it's because you figured out how to do something well. And the temptation is to feel like everyone else has to do it like you do it. And I get yes. teased again. Yes. I'll go back to being that that guy and my staff. But I get teased in the moments where my staff feels like I'm asking them to problem solve, but I'm also waiting for them to say what I think is the right answer. And and they they can feel that and know that in those places. And so part of the and again, this is what distinguishes the good coaches from the great coaches is that the good coaches can go, okay, I have something to offer here. I, I, I'm i good at this. I got here for a reason. So I have something to teach. But the great coaches are the ones that go, even though I have something to teach, I still have more to learn. And I'm going to have the privilege of coaching people who figure out different ways to do this and even better ways to do this than I ever thought of. And And so another way to put this would be in the unforgettable words of Elsa, which are, let it go. (laughs) 
Oh, you did not just do that. <laughs> Come on, oh, you pulled in every other realm. So I I had to go there. And for the record, and don't let me go too far down this rabbit trail, Laura, but I feel like we talk about TV a lot. And one of the things that my family has been watching on TV the last couple weeks is, and this is really funny because y'all know I have boys, but on Disney Plus, there is a six-part docuseries on the making of Frozen 2. <laughs> and it is so good and there is a woman um her name is jennifer as well who is the creative um chief creative officer for disney animation but she was also the writer and director for frozen and frozen 2 and if you watch that six-part docuseries she is a phenomenal coach for a massive group of creatives and teams. Way to teams. bring that around, sister. And so, Way to bring that around. Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to throw that out there while I'm being made fun of for Let It Go. Um, that, that really is a really great example if you're looking for some quality programming. <laughs> Listen, right now most of us has reached the end of Netflix. So tell us what else to go watch. So that's good. Disney yeah. Plus, assuming you've already watched Hamilton 42 times. Yes. Go ahead and move on to watching that. I think that's a really good, that's a really, really good one. And listen, that's part, I think you make a good point. Even coaches get trained to be coaches and need coached on coaching. Like mm-hmm. There is a entire line of you are coach to coach to coach to coach, just like you are blessed to be a blessing, right? There, you have to, you have to receive some to give some. And yeah. um, that's part of the beauty of what we do with coaching. So I really do, as much as I make fun of you for saying, let it go, I appreciate the trail you just took us on, Jen. I think you make a really, really good point. And, and our whole reason for this discussion is to say, how do I distinguish myself as a good coach? And you distinguish yourself as a good coach when you give people the freedom to do it their way mm-hmm. um, in a way that helps them to be successful. And I think I am going to bring this back around to our beloved Coach K, because whether you are a Duke basketball fan or not, you're probably, if you're listening to this podcast, based on what we know about geographic statistics, you are a fan of United States Olympic sports. Yes. And we watched Coach K um, thrive at putting together a U.S. Olympic team or other U.S. national basketball teams on a couple of occasions. And what is what, what's one of the things that he does so well there? He takes unbelievably successful, intelligent, wealthy, unique independent people <laughs> and somehow gets winning teams out of them uh, but i'm being serious yes, right? Like, yeah yeah these these folks could run around him on a basketball court like nobody's business and that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the fact that he has a bad back right mm-hmm. i mean yeah. the reality is these guys are phenomenal they don't need coach k to tell them to follow through on their foul shots generally mm-hmm. speaking though we could probably get into something about the nba and foul shooting there but um <laughs> you know they don't need that but what does he do he lets them talk and be part of what their team's going to look like. He helps them tap into their strengths that can mm-hmm. then interplay together to make a cohesive team. And he lets them do it in the way that makes sense to them. He guides and directs them, but ultimately he doesn't go in with a prescribed solution. He gives them space to create their solution. So I think that kind of um, brings together a couple of the things we're talking about here that are really distinguishing. Um, but one of the things that I think if you want to be a good coach and and ultimately be known for how well you coached and let people develop in their careers, um, your pride and your personal 
sense of and your personal desire needs to be put aside and mm -hmm. your ability to make it not about your ego not about you not about the way you think it should happen and to make it about others and to tap into them is going to make all the difference yes well i so appreciate you bringing that back around to the goat to coach k himself and how well those pieces fit together so this has been a great conversation i want to encourage everyone who is listening to to work on your coaching skills your mentoring skills maybe this inspired you to go find a coach or find a mentor a lot of times the farther we go we can get laps in this and i think at almost any given moment we need to be mentoring people and having mentors we need to be coaching people and having people coach us and so hopefully this conversation has clarified some things for you and encouraged you to seek out those relationships Welcome to Memory Lane, and today we are going to take flight down Memory Lane and talk about the first time that Jen's kids got the opportunity to experience air flight. And you might be wondering, what does that have to do with an episode about coaching and mentoring? And here's what I'm going to tell you all. The unique part about this as a story is that Jen was not on these flights with her kids the first time they get to ever experience flights. So she totally gave up coach role and let somebody else teach her kids the ins and out of flying. Jen, tell us about it. It was nerve wracking. And these were great coaches. Um, so Thank it's, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's so funny because I think one of the roles that we play as parents and is both as coach and mentor. In different phases, our kids need us to be both of those roles in different kinds of ways. And so that's an incredibly critical part of our job as parents. But another piece of our job as parents is to let them go <laughs> and to let them find the coaches and the mentors that aren't you that can take them to some great places. Now, the fun thing about this memory lane is that this actually, um, it you know, in part, Laura is the champion flyer in our family. You hear her talk about all her travels. So she is definitely the most experienced flyer. Um, but this was a, a moment of logistics and necessity and all of those kinds of things. And so um, the first time my mom was flying with Jake because my husband and I were going to Rwanda along with Laura's husband and a group from our church on a mission trip. And so my mom flew with my oldest to Laura's house else and that was crazy because there were so many emotions in general because we were about to leave the country and when you're leaving your child behind there's so much there and I just remember um, little Jake with his backpack bopping behind him <laughs> and watching he and mom head towards security and Jacob's a little more cautious and so I just remember him turning around he was so much littler then um, just turning around and watching me almost like are you sure about this <laughs> and my role in that moment was to be the super confident you've got this buddy and more to the point Graham's got this it's gonna be great <laughs> um, and so you just go with the confidence role and then the flip side was Laura flew with my Bryant who is my younger one and he is my confident child who doesn't know the word caution and so for him he was on this grand adventure 
and he had Aunt Laura as his guide. And so when he said goodbye to me, it was later peace out. And I had to watch him walk away, no turning back, as he discussed every aspect of all of life and all of the things with his Aunt Laura the whole way through. So Laura had no choice but to coach that whole flight and to answer 8 million questions as he learned the entire lay of the land. So that's what it looked like from my shoes watching you know the one who turned around where I had to be confident and then the one where I had to be so willing to let go because he was gone and off with you before he could say boo so the really funny part about when I took Bryant on that flight Jen is he did that all bravado I I think I had to tell him to like look back and wave right like (laughs) Brian look back and wave at your mom she needs you to wave to her right like I But the irony being, he and I then proceeded to spend two hours at the airport for delays, and our flight got canceled. Oh, yeah. And then, because we had checked luggage, because it was the two of us and all sorts of travel around this, we had checked luggage, which is something I'm adamantly opposed to, generally speaking. (laughs) It took a long time to get our luggage back and be done at the airport and all that kind of stuff. So we had to go home again that night. So, Mr. Bravado, check you later, Mom. We had to go home and make dinner and join up with Mom and Dad again. So, it's just a really funny thing. So, in the process, I coached him not only through the first time he flew, but through the first time he had a delay canceled flight angry fellow passengers frustrated flight crew <laughs> reflying the next morning turbulence because the weather was bad which is why the cancellations turbulence through bad weather circling the arrival airport oh for an goodness. hour before we could land and then having to drive home at 30 miles per hour from the airport because the rain was so heavy it was a really really <laughs> special experience um that I will hold forever. But listen, folks, I think, you know, memory lane, Jen and I could go on and on, but I just love these stories. And I think for all of us, that coach mentor relationship with our kids is a huge one. But even there, there's a chance to see times when other people can help be part of the community that is helping your kids, just like when you're working and in leadership and other people are part of the community that's helping you with your team. Together, we are better, right? (gasps) Yes. There we go. Better together. (laughs) Hashtag memory lane out. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for these episodes as we've talked about that guy or that gal when it doesn't go so well and it heads toward firing. And then today as we talked about the possibilities and the potentials around being a coach and a mentor. We appreciate you listening all the time. We hope it's helpful to you. It would mean so much to us if you could leave a review, coach us a little bit on what you'd like to hear us talk about, what we could do differently, and how we can answer some of your questions. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We would love to hear from you. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. Sisters, business, what can go wrong? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Laura and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives.